Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the final episode of 2021 for Necromaniacs Podcast. Tonight, we have all three of us. We got me, Mike Hill. We got co-host Mike Scandato and the, our other co-host, Jeff Kashid. How's it going, guys? What's up, everybody? Uh, it's Scandato here. Sick again, listeners. Uh, as you remember, Mike and I did the sick episode in the early part of November, and I've caught yet another cold that is not Corona. So I don't know. Somebody doesn't like me, but it's good to be here. And uh, I'll be doing the uh, Bobby Brady voice or is a Peter Brady voice uh, throughout the episode. So that's always good. You'll get a kick out of that, listeners. All right. And well, this is Jeff here. Uh, I I felt like you feel last week, but uh, you're more of a trooper than me, man. I was just fucking completely out of it, was convinced once again that I had COVID because I had traveled for the holidays. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it turns out tested negative and uh, it's just another one of those weird things, you know, someone probably just coughed on me uh, or I walked through a cough cloud at the airport, you know. Yep. A, a lot of colds are going around is the word yeah. on the street. So it is what it is. I'm a trooper, guys. Had to be here for the final episode. Awesome. You know, I feel fine. I just recovered from COVID. So <laughs> it's like so far so good. Uh, I can't taste anything. Well, a little bit. I can taste stuff a little bit. Taste and smell is starting to come back. But other than that, I'm fine. So um, hopefully I stay healthy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So similar to every year, we run through, we each run through our top five uh, horror films for the year. But Mike suggested that this year, since there's a ton of, um, of shows, that we mix in top shows with our movies. Mm. Oh. Yeah. So well, yeah, I mean, it, that kind of throws a bit of a wrench in, in a portion of my list, but you know. <laughs> All right, so wait, hold on a second. Before we can, we can edit this part out too. I thought we were doing top five like straight up, like because I, I have like you know my number one is a, is a TV show. So is my number one. So all right, so, but did you break it out with TV shows or movies? No, no, no. I, I was not aware of this portion of the show. Right? No, no, we were going to do our top five, right? But it's, and then it's, I thought we had honorable mentions. I no, no, we have honorable mentions too. Oh, I was not aware of the TV portion of this episode. Well, well no, no, I think you misunderstood what I said, though. It's like our top five, our top five, one, two, three, four, five, can be an and can be TV and movies. That's what I oh. thought you were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. No, no, we don't have separate categories for that. Oh, it's all okay, like, okay. yeah. I mean, this is. I thought this was your idea. It's like, no, 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 I know, I know. I just was like, oh, I'm, I'm no, no, it, we can have like, for example, I got like, you know, whatever. I got a TV show. I have a movie. I got another movie. I got TV. You know what I mean? Since oh, all discussed how all the, a lot of the TV is film quality. True. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then we'll have honorable mentions and, you know, and fucking movies mm -hmm. we didn't see and shit like that. So cool. I'm doped up on meds. So don't mind me. Oh, okay. anything good? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before, you know, before we get rolling, let's, uh, you know, maybe talk about a couple of things that we saw that was interesting or things we didn't like or, you know, stuff like that. So anything, anything interesting or interesting and not good that you guys saw recently? Hmm. Let me think about that. That I didn't like. Um, well, I would just, 
2021 in general is an interesting year. There was a lot of like good psychological thrillers or like horror adjacent movies. But when I look at my list and the things I really got into this year, none of it was really, or a lot of it was not outright horror. Mm. Did you guys feel the same way or or, or am I, is this this just me? A little bit uh, to that degree. Um, Well, I did pick the more horror end. Um, I agree that this was a, a very interesting year with the horror adjacent stuff. Yeah. Hmm. I think the uh, the line is getting blurred uh, very much so these days. Um, you know, for example, like one of the films that I saw recently was was uh, was Humans on on Showtime, and it feels like a horror movie. Yet nothing horrific actually happens in there. It's just basically a family drama, but the the cues and the atmosphere and everything just makes it feel like something terrible is going to happen at any time. Did you like that? Because I, I I liked it. I loved it. That was great. I watched it twice. It's great. I got to watch it again, too. I feel like I missed a lot. Um, I need Showtime, but I did see for free uh, the new Dexter, the first episode, and I fucking loved it. So looks like I'm going to have to plunk down for Showtime (laughs) because I really really like it. I'm watching that, too. Yeah, it's uh, and it's funny. That first episode was directed by... um, Marco Siega, who was in Bad Trip, the New York hardcore band. Oh no shit! And, uh, Holy he did shit. a bunch of the old. He did a bunch of the old episodes too. I believe he's done Game of Thrones episodes. Like he's he's done a lot of cool, cool shit. So, but he's a New York hardcore alumni. I've seen Bad Trip a few times. Hmm. That's great. Good for him. Still good. Yeah. Oh yeah. So he's doing rather well. Yeah, I wanted to ask you guys if this new Dexter was worth uh, worth watching. I'm, I'd say so. Yeah. Cool. A lot of cool music in episode one. A lot of great oh, music. Okay, good. I've been watching because I, I missed out on the first go around at Dexter. So I, uh, I'd only seen like a handful of episodes. So I'm actually watching the first ep- the first series and this follow up series kind of at the same time. Like I'm up mm-hmm. to season four now. So uh, cool. But I like I like the new one. I think it's fun. You know, it's fun type of thing. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's not horror, but I've been watching Succession, uh, which is maybe a different kind of horror. <laughs> uh, you know, the horror of <laughs> the business world. Uh, it's a really interesting show. Something I didn't think I would really be into, but a couple episodes in and I was just completely hooked. That's on my uh, list to start watching over the Christmas break. I got about two weeks off um, coming up, so I'm, I'm going to start watching Succession. Yeah, it's like a very like pitch black kind of comedy. I mean, I wouldn't call it a comedy. There's a lot of comedic elements to it. Uh, and it's also pretty dark. I highly recommend it. Cool. Yeah. Has anyone been checking out Yellow Jackets? No, but... You mentioned it, and I, I've heard a, a couple other people now mention it too, saying that's actually pretty good. Is that horror? It, it is. It, it reveals itself to be a horror film around episode four, which I just watched today, actually. And um, I mean, I don't know if I like it or not, to be honest. I know a lot of people love it, but uh, it's it's um, it's very cumbersome. In the narrative, in the narrative, you know what I mean. It, like it, it's, it's kind of. Um, 
I mean, I like long, drawn out, talky, you know, a lot of dialogue. Like, I like all that kind of stuff. But that's not what this is. It's just, it's taking a long time for this thing to develop. And, but it's not building any tension. You know what I'm trying to say? It's like, it's just taking a long time, but you're not, it's not like a slow burn or anything like that. So, mm. yeah. And, and it has like a kind of a miscast uh, Juliet Lewis in it, um, who is uh, considerably older than the rest of the women that, that are on the cast. Mm. And uh, so I don't know. It's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'll wait till the end of this season and see how it plans, pans out for me. But I, I'm like a wait and see stage right now. I don't know if I like it or if I don't like it. It's funny you mentioned uh, miscast uh, Julia, uh, Juliet Lewis, because I feel like, isn't that the reason a lot of people are watching it? Because she's on it? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I just, you know, I don't think she's that great in it, really. But that's just my uh, opinion. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> hey, that happens sometimes. Yeah. It does. <laughs> I saw two movies uh, that were uh, two Rennie uh, recommendations recently. Um, mm-hmm. right. He's like our, he's like, uh, the unofficial fourth member of the show, I guess. In yes. some ways. <laughs> we, we got uh come coming home in the dark, which is like a, an Australian, just like re- abduction film, you know, one of the, one of those right. like brutal, brutal, like abduction travel outback violence films, you know? And, um, those I, I always like them because the stories are so easy, they're so simple, but the way that it's told sometimes makes it good or bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, totally. It's, you know, there's like a, always like an interesting twist at the end, and that's that's kind of what this is. But it's like a very tense, on the edge of your seat. You don't know how anything's going to play out at the end, and it was really really good. You know, very good uh, recommendation from Rennie and I. Anyone out there who's interested in that kind of film, uh, definitely go see that. And, What's uh, it's on Showtime. Uh, that one actually is on Netflix. That's on Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. So that's that's available. It's out there. And then uh, In Fabric, which uh, I know that you were on the email with that, Mike. And mm. it's yes, I never even heard of this film, but it's the spiritual, uh, you know, relative to uh, the editor and barbarian sound system, I think. Okay, yeah. It's on my list, man. Yeah, Same these director uh, as barbarian sound studio. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that it sounds, it feels like that's very, very uh, trippy, darkly comedic, uh, sur- almost surreal quality to it. Um, it's, it's a town, ta- it's like a Italian giallo influence. Nice. Uh, but, you know, but not, it has some of the tropes, but it's also its own thing too. So in fabric is like barely a comedy, you know, there's some dark humor in there, but it's like, I found myself just like disturbed by a lot of this, by a lot of the, of the movie, like a lot of things that happen, you're just like, Ooh, you know, like very, yeah, very absolutely. Yeah. That made my uh, list on, of best movies of 2019. I, yeah, I absolutely loved it. I love Barbarian Sound Studio as well. Yeah. The director's name isn't coming to me right now, but like, uh, he's fantastic. We, uh, we covered uh, long time listeners will know we covered Barbarian. And oh, we, didn't we? Ra- yeah, we we raved about it at a time when I feel like nobody was talking about it. So yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. kind of ahead of its time in some ways, really. I mean, you know, because yeah. there's like it seems like there's an interest in Giallo now, and that predated all that, you know, back then. 
totally. I was going to point that out that this year there's at least three movies I can think of that were giallo inspired. Not a, quite a, a giallo, but they, the influence is there. And I'm sure we're going to end up talking about at least one or two of them. Oh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I wanted to tell you guys, um, I'm in the midst of watching something pretty cool, The Advent Calendar, which is a, a French horror movie. It's a French, uh, French Christmas horror. Uh, didn't finish it yet, but very, very good so far. Check it out. I yeah, it wasn't bad. I enjoyed it. Hmm. Yeah. I got to check that one. The, um, yeah. I got hoodwinked into watching a film I did not like. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was pretty bad. It was, um, it was called Demigod. Hmm. I don't know if anyone that came across anyone's radar. No, I don't even think I heard of it. I'm going to write it down. Though, Do not see I love it. It. No, don't no, see it. No, it's totally. <laughs> it's, it's that it was, bad. Yeah, it was like about, uh, you know, it, it's it, it always people recommend things to me because they know that I'm into like weird fiction and like this kind of folk pagan, you know, stuff and everything. So so um, someone sent me an email to, to check. Oh, check this movie out. So I'm like, it's about Kernunos, like the the. Uh, um, from Gaul, like Celtic mythology, Euro European, you know, the horned god, whatever. Boy, this movie sucked the horn, man, about a horned god. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's, uh, it was like so fucking terrible, man. It was like, after a while, it was one of those movies where in the middle of the film, but after maybe 10 or 15 minutes, I was checking my, you know, looking at Instagram. I was like seeing who's texting me and, Doing, doing web searches for like, you know, thinking about what I'm going to order for food, like that kind of thing. Completely did not, you know, like hold my, my, my interest at all. Not good yeah. signs. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing is worse than 15 minutes into a movie and you realize you're watching a piece of shit and you're like, you know, you're stuck for the next 90 minutes or so. I hate that feeling, especially when you're in the theater. Because, you know, you're like, I guess you can get up and leave. But I have to say my entire life, I've never walked out of a movie. Um, and I saw the Blair Witch 2 in theaters and Jason X. <laughs> I saw Jason I saw Blair Witch. We saw that Blair Witch film in, in the, the final days of, uh, of, of uh, the, that theater we all we used to go to all the time in, in yeah. Uh, Park. Yeah, Park Slope. Um, he's talking about Book of Shadows, though. He's talking oh, that about us, which is actually way worse than the Blair Witch Redux that we saw. De debatable, but <laughs> yeah, but sure. Yes. Um, I can't think of a well, you know what? I can think of something I outright didn't like, but I have a feeling it's going to come up on the show later. So I'll save my thoughts on it for then. Uh, oh. Other than that, there was a lot of movies on my list um, more than more than last year. So overall, I got to say this was a pretty, pretty good year for horror. The horror fans in general. Uh, it was a good year for horror, but um, I'm going to say that I think personally, of all the crazy shit going on in my life this year, uh, lost a job, gained a job, moved, other fun stuff. I didn't watch as many new movies as I wanted to. I Same. found myself watching older stuff at the same time, you know, and just kind of like checking out different things that maybe like I wasn't super prioritizing brand new horror. However, sure. 
in 2022, I am going to. So first, that's a awesome. personal mission. Personal. Mission. Yeah, I also kind of had a semi disastrous 2021. In some ways, this year was harder than last year, the big pandemic year. But again, yeah, I got you know, yeah, I had a lot of stuff going on in work, personal life. You know, I could. Uh, it was an interesting year. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I found 2021 to be more trying than 2020. Yep. Totally agree. Completely. Yeah. What are you going to do? Look forward to the new year. Exactly. Right, Mike? That's all you can do. You know, yes. I, I had a very challenging year as well. So, man, yes. we know, man. Yeah. Um, so, do you want to get into it? You want to get into it? You want to start with top fives and then do. Uh, you know, honorable mentions, or you want to do honorable mentions and then top five? Now let's let's do our shout outs first. So, Mike, you want you want to take uh, take some of this too? Yes. Uh, Break the apocalypse. Check out Break the Apocalypse podcast with my brother, my actual brother, uh, John Draper. Uh, they drop new episodes every Friday. Um, awesome, awesome podcast. Uh, we found some listeners from them. They found some listeners from us. Thank you so much. And also uh, Horror Wolf podcast by uh, our buddy Brandon Legion, who also is a a brother, man. You know, he's like Randy kind of in a way where yeah. like he's always like, hey, check this out, check that out. We're always like in correspondence about sharing ideas for, for you know, excellent horror films and books to read and that's kind of how Rennie and, and Brandon are with us, except, you know, Brandon has his own show, Horrible Podcast. Check it out. Totally. So let me ask you guys, a scale of one to ten, how bad is my voice right now? <laughs> you don't sound that bad. Not that bad. Not that bad? No. Okay, no. good. I'm just wondering how it'll sound to our poor listeners. <laughs> it probably hurts you more to speak than it actually sounds. So, you, yeah, you know, that, that it's probably painful, but it, it doesn't yeah. sound too bad, no. Yeah. Exactly. No, it's not painful to listen to or anything. Okay, cool, cool. Like my well, regular speaking voice is, so. <laughs> oh, man. You gotta keep I don't have fun. any shout-outs, so. No shout-outs? Uh, no. <laughs> and no one likes me. Nobody likes yeah, it. It happens. It happens. You know? It happens. All right, who's going to go with their number five? I'll go first. Yeah, why don't you go, Jeff? All right, well, uh, I'll go first because I think uh, my number five is pretty divisive if it even belongs on this list. Uh, it was a movie Mike and I were going to cover, but I don't think he liked it so much. Uh, my number five movie is Pig, directed by Michael Skornoski. I'm probably not saying that right. Um, this was covered a lot by the horror press. It's how I know it exists, uh, but was very on the edge of whether I should include it at all. Cause it's really not a horror movie. Did you guys see this? You guys uh, my brother Pig? saw it. He liked it. My brother saw it. Mm. Yeah. Mike Hill. I know you watched it and I don't think you were as big a fan as I was. I mean, yeah, I, I saw the film. It wasn't, I didn't dislike it. I just didn't. I wasn't crazy about it really. And, um, mm. and yeah, I don't, I don't know why people are putting it out there as a horror film. It is more of like a, almost like an action drama or something. You know, it's, it's like, it's more like a, 
like there's no there's no horrific elements to it it isn't even really that violent and the situation is um it's almost like this absurdist sort of drama with like some action scenes in it you know what i mean it is absurdist yeah but it it, it does play kind of straight because it gets into the underworld of truffles and restaurants and it was just very bizarre how what a strange idea but it took it so seriously and uh and i didn't think i'd find this movie as, as moving as i did I, I really at the end really really enjoyed it and uh, it was great you know nicholas cage every year or two like pops up to tell you like i'm not just here to collect a paycheck you know, you, you remember what a really good actor he can be in, in, in the right hands and in the right project. And um, and this was one of them. You know, I was kind of expecting like Mandy part two or something like that. But it, it was just so different from what I expected it to be that I was that I, I don't know. I was just sort of uh, surprised and floored by it. And since it was covered on all the, the, the horror you know, blogs and websites, it was like, OK, I guess that gives me enough to justify including it. I think I can see why it would appeal to genre fans. It is a dark, dark movie and, and sad in a lot of ways. Mm, I want to see it. I'm going to see it. Should. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought I went in knowing what it was going to be and, and, and came out with, with such a, a, a different experience so that was sort of like the, the the big surprise to me and like mike said it's really not that violent but like is it you know it's dark and uh, nicholas cage's character has this sort of nihilistic philosophy about life and there's he has a great monologue in the middle there where he kind of talks about the end and everything and oh, i was really impressed with this one man i i i, I really liked it that's uh see it the line between horror and like dramas and you know whatnot is like definitely getting very thin right now and uh, it seems like there's a lot of stuff like like i saw this that film humans uh, on showtime which is like yeah it feels like a horror film but nothing i mean it's a family drama and there's like really heavy topics that they discuss and there's like a lot of stuff going on but it really takes it's like a play it takes place basically in one apartment in new york city but it feels yeah. like something terrible is going to happen at any moment. And it's shot in this like very unsettling tension inducing way. So there, there's like a lot of like back and forth between dramas and like, you know, horror genre films. And it's interesting how film, the direction film is going to go in, I think in the next few years. Yeah, no, I, I completely uh, agree with you. And I like that movie a lot too. That's definitely in, in like my, probably in my top 10 uh, of the year as well. I, I felt the same way, like um, that it just feels like, yeah, like this is going to end horribly and something really terrible is going to happen. But uh, and it plays out very tense. Um, that's a great movie. Nice. Um, I'm going to jump in for my number five. And uh, it is a movie that also draws a bit of, I don't know, division, maybe uh, in the horror community this year. Certainly a lot of hype, a lot of uh, chatter, <clears throat> and uh, it is Halloween Kills by David Gordon Green. Mm. The, very, the very movie that the three of us were, were discussing uh, not too long ago because it was, you know, such a big deal. Um, look, a, a lot of people hated this movie. I, I didn't hate it. 
it's 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 in a list of, of favorites of the year. So obviously that says something. However, it is at the bottom of my favorites of the year. Mm. So look at it that way. It's a very glass half full, glass half empty kind of deal in a way. There are things about this movie I like quite a bit. Um, I like the violence in the movie. I like uh, some of the characters' portrayals, uh, but the movie it does have its flaws. But um, was it overall enjoyable? Yeah, I thought it was. I mean, it, it's so strange to me that like like Joe Bob Briggs, whose, whose opinion I, I hold in a very high esteem, like he absolutely loved this movie. Like, you know, he was like over the moon about it. Am I over the moon about this movie? No, I'm not. However, I did enjoy it, and I, I didn't want to not include it. Um, so, therefore, I, I placed it at the bottom as my number five. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't say I was indifferent to it. I was definitely more on the negative side. Uh, and to say it was divisive, I think, would be a, a, an understatement. Like, it's... People either yeah. really seem to love it or really, really hate it. Uh, and either way, yeah, you know, you like what you like, you know, mm. it's all it's all good. I personally was was uh, disappointed. I, I'm a big fan of David Gordon Green. I was very curious to see what he was going to do, where he was going to take it. And mm -hmm. this movie just really like I think we I said this on the episode, it just didn't really go anywhere. Just for a middle movie, didn't really advance the, the plot of the trilogy very much it just sort of no. sat there uh stewing in its own stupidity um <laughs> didn't, didn't didn't care for this one but you're I right know. no i didn't hate it there there was moments that i that i did like there it's not like a, a complete disaster of a movie i it just i just didn't appeal to me um there, there's uh on the home video front there's apparently a bunch of deleted scenes and uh, extra scenes and things like that i i want to see what those were I mean, look, nine times out of 10, they don't mean anything, but who knows? I mean, maybe there's something that should have been there that wasn't there, or maybe there's a little more to it. My brother, John said something similar, I think about this movie. Like maybe, is there like a better cut of this movie? Maybe like, you know, I don't know. Um, and now uh, I, I need to also check out the, the, the book version because sometimes the book is a little better and has a little more meat. So, but yeah, it is my number five, Mike Hill. What is your number five? My number five is a show, actually. And uh, it's Chapel Weight, which was on oh. Epics and uh, stars Adrian Brody. And um, it's, uh, it's uh, a rough, adapt loose adaption of Jerusalem's Lot, the precursor, sort of prequel to, to Salem's Lot, you know, Stephen King's uh, property. And... Uh, it, it was like shot incredibly well. Um, it was a you know beautifully rendered film, and I thought it was like one of the one of the it was either one of the top two vampire films of the year. Mm. And um, great looking vampires. Uh, there's also uh, you know references to the uh, uh, Devermis Mysterious. You know, it's like one of these you know fictional books. You know that uh, like the Necronomicon. You know. Mm -hmm. And and that that plays like a central part of this storyline, and uh, that that Devermis mysterious king refers to it, but it's from like a Robert Block uh, short story called uh, Chambler from the Stars, and um, it just it's it's in my for me personally the kind of stuff I like 
when you can connect like cosmic fiction and vampires, I'm fucking in, man. That's like oh, yeah. everything I've ever wanted in one film. So yeah, there you go. Does this take place thing. in the 70s, Mike, or no? No, it takes place like in in like you know the 1800s. Oh, okay. Shit. Yeah, yeah, it's a period piece. Yeah, it's mm. great. Nice. The only prequel I, I that I personally know that Stephen King wrote was a short story in Night Shift called Jerusalem's Law. It's not based on that, is there? Is it its its own thing, or is it? It's, it's definitely it's, a, it's taking that concept and it just it's it's when I say loosely, it doesn't really follow that story at all. It just okay. uses right. like the idea of there being um, sort of like setting the setting the, uh, the the table, like setting creating a setting creating a universe like world building so that there could be you know maybe eventually there'll be a, like a, another salem's lot like series or something like that but you know that that's what i got out of this whole thing awesome uh you've mentioned that on the a couple of podcasts we've done and uh always forget about it but uh i really really gotta check that out mm -hmm. I have uh, to add yet, uh, yet another streaming service yep yeah, I, yeah, it's getting out of hand with me. I got like 30 apps on my TV and it crashes every time I try to turn it on. <laughs> um, uh, well, I guess we're back to me. Uh, my number four movie is one uh, Mike Hill and I talked about. It's from a director I greatly admire. Although this is a movie I really liked but didn't love at the time. And as time went on, I'm getting more towards, uh, I think I love this movie. And my number four is In the Earth, directed by Ben Wheatley. Uh, as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, I'm a big fan of, of, of Ben Wheatley. He, you never really quite know what you're going to get with him. And In the Earth was uh, no exception. Uh, it was made during the pandemic. Uh, if anything, like, you know, 20 years from now, uh, when I, when I want to like, if I would, I'm watching this movie, this, this will take me right back to that moment, this, that moment, this moment of, uh, of the pandemic. No, like more so than, than, than any other movies. Mm. Um, yeah. Mike Hill, you've had some time to, 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 to think about this one a little bit. How do you, how do you feel about it now as opposed to like six months ago when we first talked about it? I've watched it again in that period and I, I like it better for sure. You know, it's, um, and, and I feel like I've been on this kind of Ben Wheatley like tear over the last like couple of months. Um, mm. you know, I watched the field in England and, you know, we, we, uh, we watched, um, you know, kill list, which, uh, you know, you had your sick day, so you're on sick leave. So that's why we didn't do the episode. But we'll we'll do it. We'll hit that. It's coming. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, we don't, don't want to leave you hanging. It's yeah. it'll be it's in January. In January, 2022. Yeah, Jeff was on sick leave, so we couldn't really hit that one. But uh, but yeah. So I, mean, I couldn't I couldn't be sick and talk about the best horror movie ever made. Uh, I, I completely right. back that man. You know, but but I feel like uh, after kind of submerging myself in, in Wheatley's world again. And then rewatching in the earth, I, I have a more of an appreciation for it for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, uh, I, the more of his films you see, the more you appreciate sort of like the weird humor of his, the just psychedelic, strange nature of his of his filmmaking. Um, it, this, this is not like an instant gratification movie. It's it's something that rattles around in your head for a while, and uh, 
And I, I think maybe like it'll take you a few days to really form how you feel about, or another view uh, to really form how you really feel about this movie. Uh, and and for me, as time went on, I just liked it more and more. And I'm always excited for a new Ben Wheelie movie. I can't wait to see what he does next after he does his shark movie. Um, hope he does more stuff like this. It shows he can do a lot with, with very little money. I'm excited to see what he can do with a $100 million budget with this Meg 2 thing he's working on. Wow. Um, but... Uh, yeah, this one also, uh, In the Earth, great soundtrack. I find myself driving around L.A. Uh, listening to it quite a bit. Um, and yeah, again, pulling. Um, this was one of the first move films to be made during the pandemic. And uh, this was, you know, it showed that it could be done and it could be done well. So that's my number four. Nice. Uh, which brings you guys to my number four of 2021, which was uh, an early 2021 treat of a film that Mr. Hill and I discussed. Of course, Psycho Goreman, directed by Stephen Kostansky. Uh, a lot of fun. What can I say about this movie? Um, you know, not, not a traditional horror film, kind of like a cross between a trauma movie and a very deranged puppet Muppet movie, <laughs> uh, you could say, um, a perverted one, perhaps. Uh, just really cool, fun, different, offbeat film from Kostansky. Um, I, I like everything that this guy does, and you know that whole Astron uh, Six crew. Um, looking forward to more stuff from them. Uh, again, just you know. A movie that uh, I, I actually am going to rewatch again over the Christmas break. Um, may actually plunk down and get get the physical copy to see what kind of uh, extras it comes with. But yeah, I really loved it. Psycho Gorman. Awesome. I have still have yet to see that one. Really? Yeah, I know. Man. Oh. Like, yeah. I'm surprised. I am disappointed with myself. <laughs> And also, I recommend the Astron Six stuff too, man. In general, like those guys are like they make really cool films, very absolutely uh, offbeat, you know, kind of films. Yeah. So my number four is Censor, the uh, Prano Bailey Bond debut film. And um, the more I, the more I think about it, and the more times I watch it, the more I love it. It's a fucking amazing film. I, I ordered the hard copy. So I, I have a Blu-ray coming. Um, looking forward to that. Um, it's it's uh, you know it's a period, another period piece this time in the in the '80s, and it it's uh, one of a uh, you know a very a famous a favorite uh, period of mine. The video nasty scare and that was taking place in the UK. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I always love when the media and there's like you know like trying there's like suppression going on like you know like the Tipper Gore stuff, trying to like, you know, suppress like heavy metal and, and gangster rap. And, and right. in the UK, they were, they were really trying to censor uh, slasher films and extreme horror movies. Mm. And um, yeah, I'm always fascinated by the human will to control things. And sometimes as a result of that, way more damaging stuff arises because of this suppression. And that's kind of like, I mean, Jeff and I did an episode on it. So that's sort of like what, this film kind of speaks to is, uh, you know, repression, 
control and then, you know, mental illness, you know, and th- that sort of thing. And the movie just looks great. It's, you know, it has those color, that color scheme, you know, which I love and uh, the acting's great. And there's some fake movies in there that I want to see actually, which I, <laughs> yeah. it made. and there's a couple of uh, real movies referenced. Uh, yeah. They show yes. scenes of uh, pieces and drill killer. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, Mike, yeah, you, the censor is actually my number three and you pretty much just said everything I could possibly say about it. I, Love this movie. Again, really, really strong debut from uh, Prano Bailey Bond. Uh, really directed the shit out of this, man. Um, like, well, I yeah. think we were talking off air about how Giallo like, was like the big, big, kind of like a bigger word in horror this year. A lot of the, you, you saw at least three films that were like um, inspired by Giallo's. Uh, and this was this was definitely one of them on not being an outright giallo, but it had that right. color palette. It had the, you know, the madness element. Uh, again, I really love everything um, about this movie, man. It, it was it was fantastic. And that that was my number three. And Mike just said everything you could you can say about it. So I'll just go. Yeah, um, my number three is um, none other than Censor from uh, Prano Bailey Bond. Uh, <laughs> oh, weird. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, so piggybacking, literally piggybacking. Uh, That's funny because it was my four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Real, real quick, one, just another added tidbit about the, the way that film looks. Last, last night I saw Mortician play in, um, in Brooklyn. And uh, Will Raymer was using that very same color scheme on stage with his lighting. Oh, see, he knows what's up. He knows. Yeah, that kind of blue-red mix, you know? Yep, yeah. Really cool. Very um, effective. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, it is a, a wonderful debut film from uh, this woman, Prano Bailey Bond. Um, I, I mean, there's even there was even a little scene there that re- reminded me of Irreversible. Uh, at, at the beginning of the movie when she's walking down in like that kind of uh, alleyway, I guess, to catch the, the train or something. I don't know. It just reminded me a little bit of Ir- Irreversible for like a hot second. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, when she sees that woman and the woman turns around, it was just, yeah, that's, you know, totally got like a flashback to that movie. Oh, and she thinks it's her sister, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, I remember yes. that part. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I have ri- I've written down aspect ratios. I forgot all of how like the, the movie kind of gets more claustrophobic as, as the aspect ratio quote sort of slowly starts to, to get tighter and tighter and you don't notice it right away. <laughs> I, I love just a little director. Yeah, um, just a little director flourish, like little things like that to just make a simple movie like this just so fucking great. I was so taken by the end of it that I, I went on, on YouTube and I watched uh, several, um, you know, explanation clips. And there's some really good ones out there, actually, about oh, what bet, certain, yeah. certain people thought uh, went down at the ending. Because, you know, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but the ending does and will leave some some of you very a little dumbfounded, perhaps, or a little confused. But it's a very good kind of dark ending, I thought. Agreed. Yeah. So that's my number three. Censor. So my number like, three is, I'm sorry, what were you going to say, Jeff? Oh, no, 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 no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I, I, what's your number three, Mike Hill? 
is uh, I just saw this about, I don't know, three weeks ago. It's called The Feast, directed by Lee Haven Jones and written by Roger Williams. It's a Welsh film. And um, yeah, just once I actually, yeah, Rennie recommended this to me. <laughs> He's like, check this out. And I was like, oh, okay. Sure. I got nothing going on tonight. So let me watch it. And I was like totally blown away by it. It's, um, you know, for those of you out there who don't like to read, it's subtitled. So that's a warning. Um, but it's, it's, it's exactly the type of thing that I like, which is a slow burn. There's a slow buildup. You don't really understand what's going on at first. You think everything is just this, um, a family uh, with a lot of money. And um, they're this young peasant girl, you know, for lack of a better term, young village girl. They hired her to help with this, to prepare a feast. Okay. And their family is trying to, uh, you know, get uh, investors in this project that they have going on, which has to do with a, uh, a sacred hill on the, in the countryside that they're going to try to develop. And it has to do with spirits of the woods, uh, you know, possession, like all that kind of stuff. And it's, um, it's shot in just this like very austere, very European, like, like look to it. You know, everything's like very austere, the coloring and all that stuff looks great and has this lush, like greens of the field and everything. And it's, um, so once I had slow burn, it slowly revealed itself. And yes, it's, uh, I, it's, it's a fantastic film and I highly recommend it for everybody. Awesome. Mike, you're always good for a curveball. You always throw something at me. I'm like, I never even heard of that. <laughs> you have to thank Randy, man. Randy's the guy who he's like, you know, he, he should be get production credits on this, on this podcast. Actually, Awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, am I up next? Yes, you are. Yeah. Oh, so we're on to number two. Remember everything we said about censor? Uh, I think we could all apply almost everything to that, to my uh, number two movie of the year. It came out in the U.S. anyway, in January. Uh, it is St. Maud by Rose Glass. Mm. Um, like, again, debut film. Uh, deals with, I think, similar uh, themes, you know, depression, madness, zealotry, and the disaster uh, <laughs> these things can these things can lead to. Um, brilliantly directed. This is a really tight hour and twenty minute movie with probably the biggest knockout split second ending I I've seen in in, in in quite a while. I was blown away by this mike hill and i uh covered this i watched it and just sort of like just like just sat there in like a, a trance for like a few minutes just really taking in what i just saw and uh i was like well you know we gotta cover it so i'll just watch it again um just a brilliant film uh it was my number one for a very long time uh, uh, for, for all, up until today i wrestled with it uh, where, where i was gonna put it at one or two um but uh, again this is the year of the debut where the directors just came out of, out of nowhere and just knocked it knocked it out of the park just really had had a vision for what this should be really uh understood the concept, the characters, and just, you know, directed the shit out of it. Like, great movie. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, Censor and and um, St. Maude would be a great double feature, you know. Totally, yeah. yeah. 
hang yourself at the end of the night or something like that. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, it, it, they're like two films. If like Ian Curtis like was alive now, you know, they would find those playing on his his streaming service while he was hanging in his apartment, probably. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, um, they'd make a great double. They're both very stylish, but visually look nothing uh, alike. Um, yeah, yeah, did, you, did you, Mike Scandala? You've seen this, right? You haven't no, seen it yet. I did not see that one. No, I did not. Um, it's a good one. It, it's on my. It's on my list of, of for stuff from the year that I did not see, unfortunately. So. Uh, which brings uh, it back to my list and my number two. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it is Last Night at Soho by director. And you're somebody going to bring that one up. Yes. Uh, Mr. Hill and I covered it uh, in the last uh, episode we did. Um, not a movie for every horror fan. Maybe not a movie for every fan of this podcast. <laughs> Uh, but it's something that clicks a lot of boxes for me personally. I guess if I could go back in time, I would love to go to 70s Rome, and I would definitely love to go to 60s London. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. Um, in a way, I, I liked the, the non-horror aspects almost as much of the as I did the horror aspects in the film. So... Yeah, I mean, Edgar Wright kind of just takes a lot of chances and, and just does movies from his heart and does very kind of unexpected things. This movie did not do very well at the box office, but I think it, it, it's found its audience in a cult sense. And I think down the line, uh, it'll find more of an audience. Uh, yeah, I really like this movie a lot, too. Uh, it was on the list for a while, but ultimately, like, I, I, had, a, I had a few problems with it. Uh, but on, on the positive, again, like, I love the first time she's in 1960s London when, when like, I, I, first of all, I got to say, I knew nothing about this movie going into it. I just knew Edgar Wright did it. And it's, it's, right. it's again, Giallo inspired, apparently. Yes. And another, that's all I knew. Another. Yeah. But when you think it's sort of like a horror version of uh, Woody Allen's um, uh, Midnight in Paris, in a way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love the show when she first goes to London in the 60s. That whole, I, th I think it was one shot of her going from the house to the, the club. Yeah, I yeah. loved all that stuff. I loved everything about it. Um, you know, there's, there's a couple twists in this movie. One I saw coming a mile away, and the other sort of betrayed everything that came before it. It made me like rethink why anything in the movie was happening. Uh, I didn't hate it. I just didn't love it. Yeah. Um, as, it, as far it, as the, it gets, there's a point where it trips you up a bit, and it's like I, I, I might even know what, what you're getting at. Um, I, I can see that being a little frustrating. Um, I ultimately found the like the, the final reveal to be pretty cool. And, you know, there's a, a male character who you think is one guy the whole movie, but he's not. I thought that was kind of cool. I, I actually didn't see that one coming. So, yeah, that's the one I saw coming. Um, oh. I got I even whispered to my friend in the movie theater. I'm, I'm that guy. I'm like, that's <laughs> um, uh, I also got to say. The, the the sort of boyfriend character was sort of like a nothing 
character and he just sort of blindly follows along with this woman who seems completely mm. insane to the rest of the world but he's like oh, okay, well, i'm with it all right cool you know and he's just yeah, helping her out I for, mean, for no reason at all like and while everyone's like rightfully is like you're fucking insane <laughs> but yeah you mean to tell me like none, none of you guys ever followed like you know a crazy <laughs> chick somewhere <laughs> come on yeah, yeah it's like you know. Good point. I take back what I just said. Uh, next movie. Cool. <laughs> no. I, I was I was just gonna say, look, man, he was like super into her. So there you go. You yeah, know, yeah. it all right there, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought they could have done more with this kid. He was kind of a bit of a nothing character. Um, like my uh, my friend that I saw with debate, like, well, did, did, if you cut him completely out of the movie, would anything be different? And uh, we could not, you know, not really. <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay. Okay. But I love that Edgar Wright. It was good to see him make a movie that I really enjoyed, and I'm going to see this again. And uh, you know, it's it's my favorite film of his that he's made since since uh, what Hot Fuzz. Um, mm. So you know, there's there's a lot to admire. It's very sty- like stylish, well made. I loved all the music and and in, in oh, great um, music. Yeah. Yeah. It was really uh, really good, and it, it's actually in my honorable mention. So. Okay. Good cool. pick. Yeah. So if uh, was it? Who, who, my, I, think, I think Mike Hill. I think it's your turn. Mike Hill, number two. Okay. Yes. So my my number two is Seder by Jordan Grant. Jordan Grant. Was and that was, this year? Yeah. yeah. Well, shit. That would have been on my list. That <laughs> yeah, I remember earlier this year sitting sitting in the darkness of my apartment watching that with all the lights out and just totally having the best time of my life sitting here and watching it. It was great. It's, Mm. it's, um, the movie can definitely be criticized for sure. Uh, but it's, if you just like atmosphere, this movie is dripping with atmosphere and, um, you know, there's like, there's no dialogue for like the first like five minutes of the film. It feels like, you know, there's just these like, you know, impressionistic uh, shots of the forest and, and uh, you know, one of the main characters like going through his routines out in the woods and everything. And uh, and then it has like a very dreamy quality because it's cut in with actual interview footage of uh, of this old lady who is, uh, you know, it's, it's Grant, Jordan Graham's uh, grandmother. Yeah. You know? Oh, sick. wow. I didn't yeah. Know that. yeah. It's oh, yeah. The story, Jordan, there's also an interview with Jordan on the podcast that came out earlier this year, too. If anyone's interested right. in checking that out, he's um, really, you know, I, I, I can't wait to see what he has next. But it's, um, yeah, he had a whole different script in mind. And his, his grandmother was suffering from Alzheimer's disease and, uh, and these interviews. And she started revealing some of this stuff about this character, Seder you know, with this like writing that she did and he started recording her and then rewrote the entire script of the film and then incorporated all this actual footage into the movie. So it's, it has like a, it's like this very dreamy quality of a thin line between reality and narrative, which makes the film like really intense in my opinion, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's atmosphere too, you know, it's, it's like things happen, but it's also this, this, um, it's like when you read like a Lovecraft story, that's not really about anything, you know what I mean? And, mm. and it has that vibe to it. And, you know, I, I loved it. It's perfect for me. It's like exactly like the kind it, of stuff I like. 
if you're looking for explanations, if you're looking for a very linear film, this is not that film. If you're if you're if you're willing to just kind of watch it and go along for the ride and maybe even draw your own conclusions on certain things and just be really taken in by what this guy did with, with super little and he did entirely on his own. Um, I mean, it's just like a really different kind of horror movie. I, I liked it as well. I loved it. Yeah, and he did the score too. And the score was like, you know, this droney ambient kind of thing. And in the interview, yeah. we talk about that too. And I, I asked him, I said, you know, the score is like fantastic. It's like, you know, what kind of, what do you listen to? Are you into like ambient music? He's like, no, nah, you know, I'm like into like Metallica. Like, you know, <laughs> he's like, he's like, I just bought instruments and started playing around with them. And I came up with this stuff on my own. And it's like a lot of like, wow. like percussion that he did and then bass drones. And I think they should release an LP of this stuff, to be honest, you know. So he's not listening to Sun. No, no he's not, not at all. He actually didn't even know who they were. <laughs> wow. And he's not being a, like, you know, a wise guy like I am when I say they don't know who certain bands are. Like he legitimately wasn't, wasn't yeah, into, yeah. you know, that style. He wasn't into any of that stuff, you know. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I like this movie a lot too. Uh, Mike, I watched it on, on your recommendation. I, for some reason, thought this came out like uh, last year. Uh, otherwise, definitely probably would have made my, yeah, it would, uh, you know, be high up in my top five. Like you said, like the movie, I, I think the movie is like 80% mood and atmosphere. Like it could almost be about anything, but like, and if he just retained that mood, it, I would, it, would like it, no matter what this movie was about. Like it, it was just so uh, uh, lived in and uh, authentic. Like I, I loved it. Um, Great movie. It's almost, I would say, it borders on being an experimental film, really, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. It's it's not a conventional horror movie by any means. Cool. Now we're, we're, at, we're at the grand finale here. We're at the... Oh, oh are we? Uh-oh. All Where's right. Well, ready. Okay, get, get your rotten vegetables and lettuce uh, uh, ready to throw at me. Because my number one movie is sort of a nice bookend to my number five movie. Uh, this was covered a lot by the horror press. This one a little bit more, understandably, but it's still kind of a stretch. But I think it's really going to appeal to, or really does appeal to genre fans. Uh, my number one movie, horror movie of the year, my number one movie of the year, period, was uh, The Green Knight, directed by David Lowry. Wow. Uh, did either of you guys see this? Yeah, I saw it. No. I saw it in the theater, actually. I, oh, great! I, um, but didn't didn't uh, your buddy loathe this movie, Mike? Me? Oh, Ralph hates this movie. Yes, man. Ralph. Yeah. Ralph yeah. hated this movie, and he's I not alone. Reviews that hated this movie. Yeah. <laughs> My friends, I went out to lunch with the other day. Uh, we're we're like like we're like really. That's your favorite movie of the year. Like, and they were just like, what a pretentious pile of shit that was. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, David Lowry's an interesting director, man. Like, you know, he kind of came out, his, uh, he started as a film editor, and then his director, uh, directorial debut was Ain't Them Body Saints, a little scene film from a decade or so ago. 
And again, it was a debut where everyone was like, is this the next Terrence Malick, the next great American filmmaker that basically, you know, everything shot at the magic hour and has this sort of, you know, whimsical this feel to it. Uh, then he remakes Pete's Dragon, um, which I didn't see. Uh, uh, and then he makes uh, a ghost story with, uh, you know, uh, Affleck there, Casey Affleck, which was kind of an experimental film too and i think that is the guy who showed up to make this movie the green knight this is not like uh, your typical um king arthur tale even though it's based on on one this it's very much uh this sort of weird art film set in that world of swords and knights and stuff like that i mean that's not really my thing i've never watched an episode of game of thrones or anything like that uh so I was really, really shocked by how much I just loved this movie. I loved everything about it. The look, the whole journey, the uh, just meeting these strange characters along the way, uh, the ambiguous ending. Uh, this, everything about this movie was, was, was great. Uh, I'm curious, Mike Hill, what you thought of it. <laughs> I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't hate it. I mean, I, I, I really do enjoy like the Arthurian legends and, you know, there's like Tolkien has uh, a, a green knight, um, you know, read, you know, like sort of rendition of the Arthurian legend of, of the green knight with, you know, the story of Gawain. And um, I mean, I, I wasn't so hung up on, on, on the, the license he took with some of the narrative, you know, mm. uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, it just, it didn't really leave that much of an impression on me, I guess. And I thought it was pretty good, really. I mean, I, that's what I mean. Pretty good, you know? Hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I would rather have seen, um, like a, a prop. I mean, that's my preference to be something that's more, uh, along the lines of the actual legend. I think that's an interesting story as well. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, but you know, I don't mind like taking license with these things and, and having it be more like you know amusing on that period. You know, mm. and I also want to know how an Indian kid uh, ended up in in ancient in ancient England. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, not not to. I mean, that's like you know, I'm not trying to like say that cast him or anything, but like that's that that was that was odd to me. I thought you know, especially in that period of time. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't really like think about it. I thought, um, I thought, well, what's it? Dev Patel was he was good. Like it was, uh, I, I didn't really like think about the cat. Yeah, now that you mentioned, I'm like, yeah, I guess it's a little weird. But uh, I, I thought he was really, really good in in, in the role. Um, yeah, uh, not yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, something simple like no. that. Right? I mean, I don't know. It's... Yeah. No, it does. I mean, like, I, I actually really enjoy like studying ancient civilizations and how they traveled throughout Europe and all that, you know. Right. And that's like way far away, man. And Britain didn't go to India till much, much later in history. Mm. So, I mean, I don't know. That's just, you know, I mean, at that, the, the next big civilization to, to really colonize that, what would become England, would be the Romans. So I don't know, just historically, it didn't match for me, really. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, the movie was sort of like removed enough from reality where I guess I didn't really think about that too much, where I don't think this movie was really going for any sort of a accuracy or realism. Um, yeah, there are giants. Right. There are giants right. in the movie. Yeah, there are, there are ghost giants. And 
and monstrous green knights and um yeah um this is another movie i kind of went into blind I, I, to, to tell you the truth i didn't even want to see this uh my girlfriend did and uh it's one of those cases where i just ended up absolutely like being completely blown away uh because like i said earlier the the sword uh movies guys knights horses dragons all it, it just doesn't like lord of the rings that kind of stuff it just never really uh, appealed to me but but this did uh just even pure from an aesthetic point of view like the long shots just the, the weird atmosphere of this movie this is a very weird movie um weird take on uh, on the story um and again um i saw this i feel like and for like a couple of weeks i saw this on like every horror website and when i watched it i was like this really isn't a horror movie but i guess i kind of get it there's we it's a little bit more violent there's a ghost there's some strange imagery so i i, I see how it appeals to uh the horror fans did you think that those giants were the nephilim I did. I no. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't, uh, I don't I just, know much about that stuff uh, at all. That's kind that, of a that's, silly question, I guess. <laughs> I'm, uh, with all this information, I'm really looking forward to seeing this movie. So I want to see it. Yeah, I recommend it, man. Yeah, check it out. I highly recommend um, it. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, Jeff, you never liked Excalibur. I mean, I don't like. It's been, oh, God, maybe you like that again. thirty again. something years. Yeah, um, you gotta watch that again. That movie is fucking cool as shit. It's yeah. it's been a while. I mean, you know, and I don't, I don't hate. I just want. I don't hate the Lord of the Rings movies by any means, but I watched those because I was a Peter Jackson fan. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved to meet the Feebles. I loved uh, the Frighteners with Michael J. Fox. I loved like I was like, well, like, oh, he's doing those, you know, Lord of the Rings books. Sure, I'm on board and. <laughs> And again, aesthetically, I like the movies. They're very much Peter Jackson movies, but uh, I get a little, you know, stuff. I get a little, like, uh, I, I try to inject too much logic into those kind of movies. I'm like, why is the sorcerer fighting with a sword? Why doesn't he just wave his hand and didn't have everyone just be gone? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and I couldn't make it through the Hobbit movies. Uh, I think Peter Jackson sort of lost me after, like, he started making these huge, huge movies. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think of any of the, the, I know Guy Ritchie made a King Arthur movie that uh, I, I couldn't make it through I was not mm. into it at all mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know really Scott made a, a one this year the the last duel that was that was good that oh, came I out heard this it was year very good. I didn't it see was it. yeah, I it's really it. good um yeah, normally not really something I'm that interested in, but this one really took me by surprise. Who's uh, who's next? I am next with my uh, number one movie of the year, and my number one horror movie of 2021 is Midnight Mass from uh, Mike Flanagan on Netflix. So yes, listeners, we are taking uh, a liberty here. Doyle is about to punch me in the face. Uh, Doyle did not like, you know, get this. Doyle did not like Midnight Mass. You know why? Why is that? All the cat killings. He was mm. very offended by that. That's right. Uh, listeners, Doyle just punched me in the face. I'm um, watching it. I, I, I yeah, can, you know, I can be your great. witness. Yeah. Um, 
he is uh, he is the wonder cat, Doyle. Doyle's my 18-year-old tuxedo. He's going for another one with boxing. <laughs> this um, Doyle feels about Midnight Mass the way I do, I guess. I think he does. He was very upset about the, the mass killings of thousands. He of was triggered, triggered by, uh, by the very, treatment of cats. Very triggered. Uh, but, you know, if you're a fan of the show and you listen to Mike and I's glowing review of it, You'll probably know why it is uh, my number one. Um, clicked all the boxes. It's got, you know, vampires, small town, Stephen King-isms. Uh, just fucking a joy. Uh, really loved it. Um, yeah. Number one, baby. Been this was the most Stephen King thing I, that I've ever seen that Stephen King had nothing to do with. That's right. Oh, and also, I wanted to let you guys know, I've been, I've been watching... The stand, the new the stand. Mm, I heard. When does that get good? That's not good. It's, I, yeah, I like that's I, yeah, I yeah. That's what I. That's what I heard. Not good. Told um, but anyway, back to Midnight Mass. Um, Midnight Mass is a lot better than this stand that I'm dying through. I'm like I'm barely getting through it. I, I may even jump ship. That's how bad this this is. But um, yeah. So Mike Hill. What is your number one? I mean, geez, what could it be, for God's sake? My number one is also Midnight Mass. And, oh, uh, I just, I just loved it, man. I, you know, I, I've turned some other people onto it that aren't necessarily uh, fans of horror, and they, they enjoyed it as well. And um, yeah, it's, it is the most Stephen King thing that's not Stephen King, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like Flanagan. Um, you know, I, I enjoy Katie Seagal being in the movie, but uh, I understand her. She's maybe, uh, you know, like Jeff, I know doesn't like her as an actress, which is, is cool. Yeah. Um, I love the priest. He was great. You know, the guy, the guy, yeah. who plays Father was Hill, fantastic. Father Hill. Amazing. You know, Father Hill. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I people criticize it for the, the 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 dialogue heaviness, and I was like, I like that. I mean, you know, no one, no, everyone knows that I like wordy films with a lot of exposition and all that sort of stuff, and I, I like a lot of that stuff. And specifically, I really liked when when the priest was talking about his vo- sojourn out into the desert, and where he discovers like the ancient ruins and that his encounter with the vampire. Like that was yeah. like some like Robert E. Howard, Carl Edward Wagner, like, you know, dark fantasy. It was awesome. I love that part, you know. Mm. You know, and I like the relationship between uh, you know, what Aaron and whatever that other guy is, you know. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, really good special effects. Um, Jeff, would you agree? Well, wait, first of all, Jeff, did you see the whole thing? Yes? Yeah, I, uh, we watched the whole thing on vacation actually in a cabin in right. uh the woods in, in, in California. It was a perfect setting to watch something like that. Um, and we blew through it, I think, two or three nights? Three nights seems... Yeah, no, three nights. Um, so the setting I watched it in was, was, was great. And uh, I'll always, uh, you know, remember it for that and uh, for that trip. Right, so that's one good course. thing I can say about it. But what, I'm sorry, what were you going to ask? I was going to ask you... Did you appreciate uh, the special effects and the way the vampire looked and the kill and the, you know, the, the kills and, and that aspect? 
Oh, well, first of all, that town doesn't exist. That was a set. Like, that was the most impressive thing to me. It was like, this, yeah. is, this is like something straight out of the first thing I know is like, this is straight out of a Stephen King book. Where is this place? And you know, to find out, it's, it really is like every little the house, everything is a, a set. Um, there are things about this show that I liked. Like, I, I'm not. I'm not a contrarian where oh everyone loves this. Well, it's dog shit. Uh, there were like really good things about like okay, the, there's been a backlash to the backlash about the the, the monologues. I've been seeing a lot of people trash and people say they didn't like the monologues. I also like dialogue heavy films, but I feel like this Mike Flanagan was just so in love with every word that he wrote that he couldn't edit. I don't think a lot of the monologues really had the weight that he <laughs> thought they did. And I know there's the big one where there's two where Katie Seagal does one. And then the Friday night lights kid does one and it's back to back. Mm. And I get it. It's sort of, I, I, it's sort of what the show really is all about. It's, you know, different philosophies about death. Um, yeah. I, I think that moment was necessary, but I, I just don't, it was delivered by actors. I don't think were up to the task. Uh, yeah, I, I don't love Katie Seagal. I don't know something about her presence in this really bothered me. I think the the main uh, guy, uh, whatever the ex-con, I think he was terribly miscast. Uh, I, I, he didn't. I didn't buy him as an ex-con at all. Um, and ultimately, I, I I feel like I this could have been like a two two and a half hour movie, mm. and I would have really liked it. But instead, it was really just unnecessarily stretched out, and. Yeah, it just didn't totally work for me. I did, I, like I said, man, it, you know, the, the priest, give him the Emmy. He was fantastic. The, the sheriff, fantastic. Um, the religious zealot sort of sidekick, why well, I forget yes. her name. I forget. Yeah. She was amazing. Great. Yeah, she was great. great. Um, the town drunk, he has his moments um, as far as acting goes, although like you know, that scene between him and the girl that he injured was so, I, I, I thought very like cringy, bad, uh, <laughs> and, and not well acted at, at all. Like the, the look on his face, he's supposed to be like pained and horrified oh, by what he did. He just, he just looked like he had to shit or something. I don't know. It was supposed to be like, I have a lot of weight. I just, uh, I wasn't buying it. Um, wow. Jeff, sometimes you're like the, um, Siskel, you're like the early to mid '80s Gene Siskel of the show, because like Gene, like Roger Ebert, generally found good things to say about everything, but Gene Siskel was like the bad cop. So you get, you're like definitely the Siskel here. You All right, I'll, I'll take that. That's I'll that's actually it. compliment. He was, I, <laughs> I, I, I love, love Gene Siskel. Gene Siskel was fucking great. Yes, they they were amazing. Um, but, um, so, yeah. I'm so I'm sorry. Uh, I don't want to like you know just be negative Nelly here. I didn't, did not hate it. I, I didn't finish watching it and go, God, I wasted seven hours or eight hours of my life. You know, there was things I really liked. Um, I hated the sort of happy ending. Uh, well, I guess whether it's happy or not is debatable, but I hated it. Um, but I, by that point, I had kind of already made up my mind that I didn't really, really like it. Um, but uh, I seem to be in the minority. I think uh, just from my little mention of it on the show here, I got some messages on Instagram, like, how dare you, uh, you know, you really think, uh, you really just compared Mike Flanagan to Rob Zombie? 
Yeah. Um the heat, man. You're you're definitely bad cop around this these parts. You're a bad cop. Yeah. I didn't like it. Uh, I, yeah. I can't, you know, I think Mike Flanagan is a great director. I like the films he's made. Uh, I hate all the Netflix shows he's made. I hate the look of his. I am glad this movie did not look like his previous Netflix movies, where it has that like puke green color on everything. Mm-hmm. It has that weird Netflixy like sheen to it. I, I, I can't explain it. This didn't have that. Mm-hmm. It felt more now. It felt. It looked a little bit more like a film, and I, I like that. But where yeah. everyone, uh, this was like a C, right in the middle C for me. Like it wasn't, you know, like an F or a D minus. It was just sort of there. It's it's good. I just don't like it. I mean, it wasn't a happy ending for most of the characters, though. Man. Uh, yeah. It was, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like happy ending. Like yeah, I would say most of the characters didn't turn out too well at the end, really. They were okay. That that's a, they were just like singing a song and holding it. Was so I just like really like had my head in, in my hands at that point. Like this this is kind of dumb. I thought there was an appropriate ending for a, a town of devoutly religious people. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. I also thought I also thought that the Riley character. I mean, if you think it's not like he's like a gangbanger, like gunslinging murderer you know yeah i mean he's like this kind of like like tech bro like uh right. you know startup bro type guy which is what i thought he looked like that just yeah. happened to be an alcoholic and he you know killed somebody vehicular manslaughter he's a vehicular manslaughterer not a murderer but he, he looks murderer. the same coming out as like when he like came in like like he should have been like just look like pumped out. Yeah, like a tattoo on his forehead. This is like bitch or something like that. White power or something like that. I think I think you're showing prejudice against a handsome actor just because he's handsome. You know, it is what maybe, but like his presence just drove me crazy. Um, uh, I I didn't buy. I I thought uh, there. I I don't know. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head who should have played that, but. He wasn't the right guy for that role, I don't think. Um, I just didn't buy him as an ex-con. Hey, man, you know, that that's cool. I and mean, that's, uh, you know, on this show, we celebrate differences of opinion. We, we do. Diverse perspectives. So, And we had a good. pretty diverse uh, list this year with not a lot of overlap. Yeah, I, 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 I was I was Hollywood guy list, I felt like, this year. And listeners... I can't believe that, unfortunately, we're, we're an audio-only show. My cat punched me in the face during the the uh, the, the, the listing of Midnight Mass because I, I sincerely feel he was upset about the cat killings. I thought if your cat was going to punch you, it would be for, like, Halloween kills. You know, that could be it. But wait till you see what is one of my honorable mentions. And I think the two of you might punch me. So how about that? Well, well, I got it. Well, I'm up. Well, okay. I'll be real. My, my honorable mentions. Um, we already Over. mentioned one last night in Soho. Uh-huh. Great movie. Uh, I want to give a little quick shout out to M. Night Shyamalan's old Strictly. Just, just because everyone absolutely <laughs> fucking hated it. And I thought it was okay. <laughs> um, I, uh, Thoroughly enjoyed watching this like ridiculous B movie that really like when you break it down it makes zero sense. But I had fun watching it. Um, literally, no one agrees with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am going to blow your mind. 
Ooh. My honorable, okay. mention, my honorable mentions are as follows. Uh, Val, the Val Kilmer documentary. Great. That was, was great. Fucking amazing. I mean, I, I, I kind of choked up several times during this mm-hmm. uh, documentary. Uh, listeners, it is really, really, really worth your time. Watch the Val Kilmer documentary, which is now on uh, Prime. So check it out. And my number two is old by M. Night Shyamalan. Yes. <laughs> I liked this fucking movie a lot. How about that? I liked it a lot. Thank you. The only, <laughs> the biggest beef was the ending, but I didn't even like hate the end. Like the ending was like a kind of a, again, happy wrapped up kind of ending. Uh, my brother John was talking to me. He goes, imagine if they ended it, that they didn't make it. And and the movie is the M. Night, you know, closing up shop and while well, he's watching them not make it. And that's the ending. He goes, I see yeah, it better. You know what though? M. Night is not that director. If you look True. at all of his fucking movies, there's a decent ending. Like there's an honorable ending. And that's okay. I'm going to put this movie up there with like one of his better movies. I actually like the guy a lot. He, he had two great movies in the Unbreakable trilogy. And he shot himself in the ass with that third part glass. Yeah, yeah. I was so excited about that. And it it had a good, you know, it showed a lot of promise and it shit the bed. But this movie was fun. And like, it was kind of creepy. And I didn't know what the fuck was going to happen next. I enjoyed the hell of it. I just watched it the other day. Old. Nice. Mike, Mike Hill, I think, hated it so much you didn't see no, it. No, I didn't see it. No, I, I just, I saw a trailer for it, and then I was like, why, I, don't make me watch this, you know? Like, no, it's, but, it's but since you guys like, both liked it, I'm going to watch it, man. I mean, we'll talk about it, you know? We'll, awesome. We'll it. If, if, I mean, uh, both of you liked it, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I recognize how absurd and ridiculous it is, but that's fine every once in a while. Um, two more movies on my list real quick. Uh, Happily, directed by Ben David Gravinsky, starring Joel McDale. Uh, you think oh. the movie, I mean, it looks sort of like this romantic sort of comedy, but it goes to very strange places. Uh, you know, it's one, uh, It's not quite a horror movie, but it is very strange uh, and it is very interesting. Uh, I liked it a lot. It's worth checking out if you're a genre fan. Similar movie is uh, The Beta Test by Jim Cummings, uh, director of The Wolf of Snow Hollow, uh, which I can't believe The Wolf of Snow Hollow didn't make my top five last year. Uh, I rewatched it recently. I really liked it. The Beta Test is a great movie, but really a bit of a stretch to call it a horror movie. I, that's why it didn't make my top five. Uh, just general premise is um, a guy gets gets a letter saying you can have an anonymous sexual encounter uh, and his life kind of starts to unravel because of this letter. Uh, That's interesting. It's a mystery. The movie is also very, very funny and a very big send up of L.A. culture. And, uh, you know, this guy, the main character is in the business. You know, he's a big agent. Um if you're familiar with Jim Cummings and his film, he often plays a complete douchebag. Uh, he's in Halloween Kills. He's the cop from the flashback that gets shot. Oh, okay. 
Uh, he usually writes and directs his own stuff. Um, anyway, I, I highly recommend the beta test. It, it's in my top 10 list of, uh, it's in my top 10 of films of the year. Uh, but putting in my top five horror movies was maybe like, you know, I already had two that were sort of, you know, maybe not quite horror. So I saved it for my honorable mentions. Um, I had a, a quick question for you. Sure. What was, what was the other Giallo-esque film? Was it Malignant? Because some people are referring to it. Yes. Malignant. Yeah. Mike and I talked about the, yeah, we talked about that. Uh, that was something. I'll say that. <laughs> that was yeah. a movie. That was me. Definitely, definitely not a fan of that movie. No. I don't think it, Mike, yeah, Mike, uh, Mike and I did not like it. Spoiler, Mike and I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I fucking hated that movie, man. I, I, I hated it too. And I hate that people love it. Like, people, well, like, I, that's another one. You didn't like that? It was so much fun. Glad you had fun with it. But like, uh, I thought it was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. I really hated it. Uh, a quick note speaking of fun, I have a mild interest in the new Scream movie. Do you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I totally. Yeah. I just I, watched I, I Scream 4 not long ago. Um, but Mike Hill, honorable mentions. My, okay. Uh, real quick, uh, Halloween Kills was on as one of my honorable mentions. It, it was close, you know. Uh, Psycho Gorman, definitely. I loved it. I, uh, you know, I'm a big Astron fan, and um, you know, I just thought it was a great. In the Earth. I didn't think anyone was going to, Jeff, I really didn't think you were going to have that in there. Uh, Yeah. The medium, the Thai Korean uh, found footage film. One of, one of the best examples of that uh, movie, you can see that type of film. You can see that on shutter. And then the season two of war of the worlds Mm. streaming incredible, kind of overlooked French British production, uh, Gabriel Burns in it. It's, not even closely, uh, you know, not, not very, it doesn't follow the story of, of the War of the Worlds, you know, narrative. Mm. It's its own complete thing. Two seasons, story begins, story ends, and that's it. And it's like a very nihilistic film. And I completely, highly recommend that, those two seasons. They only exist in two seasons. There's no more plans, you know. It, it's clear at the end, that's the end. That's all I'm going to say. That's oh. that nice. Um, oh, well, you know what? I was surprised no one, uh, since no one else said it, I'll say it. Um, the deep house. I think that's worth a watch. Not a great movie, but yeah, it it was enjoyable. It's an enjoyable hour and and 20 minutes. If you don't really think about it too much. Mm. The more I think about the deep house, the less I like it. Actually. It's funny. Yeah. 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 I I I like when we watched it, but the more I, 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 you know, there's so much, so much cooler stuff they could have did with that, I think. You know what I mean? I totally agree. The more we talked about it, like the, the, the lower the grade was going in my head as we were doing the podcast. So it was like, yeah. I went from like, this is great to being like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's a, if you're looking for an original idea, a haunted house movie set underwater, I mean, you, you could do a lot worse. It's, it's, I think it's worth seeing for sure. Cool. Yeah, it sparked a lot of my imagination, though, because especially since they had the Lovecraft um, quote in the film. And then, you know, it's underwater, you know, right? There's yeah. a thing that is like a hatch to some other thing, which they don't even explore. 
and there's a guy who is a relative and there's a family, right? So what does that come? What does that make you think about? It makes you think about like Gagan or, or Shadow over Innsmouth or something like that. Totally. So, yeah. You know, they didn't even go there, you know? And I was just like, why even have the Lovecraft quote if you're not going to like build on that mythos a little bit, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And you went, when you mentioned like the dying town, the Lagati-esque feel of it, like just sent me down like a spiral of like, why isn't there like a Lagati movie? Why, why can't you capture his tone on, on, on film? Why, why can't like, you know, like, why isn't this movie that, you know, it's like, I started to dislike it for what it, it wasn't more than, yeah. than than for what it was, you know? Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks like that's it, guys. That's it, gentlemen. We uh, right. are, you know, yeah. we're, we're putting a bow on 2021. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully 2022 is better for everyone in the world and our society. And, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, people will continue making great horror films. And that's one thing I hope we can all look forward to. Exactly. Me too. Um, and hopefully it'll be better for our general health. Uh, the, the, the people on this podcast in particular. Yeah. 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 I feel like, yeah, we're like cursed or something <laughs> like that. Like, <laughs> Um, this is, yeah, I, I think I said before, this is, I've been sick more times this year than I've been in, in, in the last 10 years combined. It's, and none of the times was, was COVID. Crazy. Yeah. Same for me, man. Weird. It's just, just dumb. Don't travel, stay home, watch movies. <laughs> just stay home and watch movies. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> but, uh, thank you all, uh, for all the listeners out there for the support. We really appreciate it. Um, it makes doing this so much more fun when there's a, a nice audience out there checking it out. Thanks yep. everyone. And uh, have a, you know, happy holiday. Take care. Now. Happy holidays. Yes. Take care everyone. Happy New Year. Cheers. Later. Twice the night before Christmas and all through the Hold house. it now. Wait, hold it. That's played out. Hit it. you give me all that jive about things you wrote before eyes alive cause this ain't 1823 ain't even 1970 now i'm the guy named curtis blow and christmas is one thing i know so every year just about this time i celebrate it with a rhyme Gonna shake it, gonna bake it, gonna make it good Gonna rock, shock, rock it through your neighborhood Gonna ring, gonna sing it till it's understood My rap been about to happen like a knee You were slapping or I told you been tapping on a hunk of wood Bought a red-suited dude with a friendly attitude And a slave full of goodies for the people on the block Got a long white beard, maybe looks kinda weird And if you ever see him, he can give you quite a shock Now people let me tell you about last year When the dude came flying here. Well, the hawk was out, snow was on the ground. Folks stayed in to party down. The beat was thumping on the box, and I was dancing in my socks. And the drummer played at a solid pace. And the taste of the bass was in my face. And the guitar player lay down the heavy layer of the funky junkie rhythm of the disco beat. And the guy with the 88 started to participate And I could sure appreciate it sound so sweet We were all in the mood So we had a little food and a joke and a smoke And a little bit of wine When I thought I heard a hoop on the top of the roof Could it be it wasn't me? I was feeling super fine So I went to the attic where I thought I heard the static On a chance that the fans was somebody breaking in Put the noise on the top with the
You got a lot of whiskers on your chinny chin chin. He allowed, he was proud of the hairy little crowd on the point of the door where the skin should have been. Gets cool for a fool, blowing out every you for a day on the same when it goes low. To the beer may be weird, but I'll never have a cheer. Cause it's warm in the storm when it's in below. I said, yo, God, it's cold tonight. But can you stop for a drop before you go? He said, why not? If the music's hot and our chance of dance beneath the mistletoe. So he went downstairs and forgot his scam. And he rocked the spot and danced like a pro. And every young girl tried to rock his world. But he booked the Yogi Yogi till he had to go. And before he went, this fine old gent bought a gift with a sip through his big red bag. In the top or the bottom, he reached in and got a toy for the boys for the girls' glad rags. And the grown-ups got some presents too. A new TV and a stereo you. A new Seville by the blue as the sky. The best that money couldn't buy. Cause money could never ever buy the feeling. The one that comes from not concealing. The way you feel about your friends. And this is how the story ends. The dude that back at the bowl of north. Where everything is cold. But if he were right here tonight, he'd say... Merry Christmas and to all a good night.